0: Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams and today I'm very excited to introduce Jamie McLennan or Noodles onto the show. He is a former NHL goalie who played for 11 seasons. He's now works at TSN as an analyst and color commentator and co host of Overdrive on TSN 1050. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on Jamie. How's it going?
1: Not too bad. How are you doing today?
0: Great, great. Um, I just want to first ask you a little bit about your playing career. Was it always your dream as a kid to make the NHL? And and when did you feel it was attainable?
1: Um, I think you know, playing road hockey when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, I you know, would love to be a hockey player, all of that fun stuff. So that yeah, that's cool. Um, I think when I was in junior, like junior pro, was playing in the Western Hockey League, you're kind of 17, 18 you aspire to be a pro hockey player, but you're not sure how realistic it is. Um, you know, I, I was always one of the better ones for my age group in, in my area, like in Alberta where I grew up and stuff like that. So you're like, okay, you know, you're kind of at that level. You make junior hockey and then, you know, you keep challenging yourself and, and seeing if you can kind of get to the, the next level. So I don't really know when it kind of became you know, turn from a dream into, Hey, this could be possible type of thing. You get drafted and, and you think, okay, like you've got a chance, but you don't even realize when you get drafted, like that's the beginning of like the work, like it's not the end result. So, you know, there's a, I think a book out there, I think it's called many are, you know, drafted few make it type of thing. It's my former goaltender. I think Rick Hines wrote it. It was a really interesting Interesting book I read years ago, just saying like many are called but few are answered type of thing, and and it's true. How many people get drafted and actually never see an NHL game? So um, I think it became a reality for me once you got to training camps and realized okay, like I this is some of your peers, and I think I can do this. But I'll be honest, throughout my whole career, you're always being chased, uh, especially given you know where i settled as a backup um you find your you know you find your ceiling at the nhl level and then you try and maximize it my ceiling was i thought i was a really good backup mm-hmm. so okay let's maximize that and then let's see how long this lasts and you know the career like you say 11 years lost a couple to lockout and all that fun stuff and then you know had some years in the minors and that so 17 year career and you know you're proud of it but but you also realize what you are and where you were so uh the, you know, long, I guess, long answer to a short question. It's, it's, I think in junior, you're kind of like, maybe there's a chance, but I wasn't a, a surefire NHL or I was very highly rated, uh, when I got drafted stuff like that. But again, you know, nothing's for sure. So I was very lucky timing, having the people to work with and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I think it became a reality really like when I was 19, 20, okay.
0: And and what were some of your most memorable moments of your career? I I want to just mention one thing for the listeners. I know you confronted a puffin once in St. John's uh, in the AHL. So maybe if you could talk about that and any other kind of cool memories of your career.
1: Okay, I'll tell that story because it is quite memorable. And the guy's name was Buddy the Puffin. It ended up at St. John's, uh, uh, the Rock, where the the Leafs farm team was. And the reason why it's so fresh in my mind too. Apparently the guy who played buddy, the puff and like in, you know, in the suit for years just passed away. So a lot of people just, a lot of people from out there like sent me messages going like, this guy has loved you telling the story for years. And I don't even know if it was him or if it was his predecessor, but like, it was kind of funny. It became like a little bit of a folk story out there or whatever. And, you know um, so getting drafted uh, I was drafted to the New York Islanders and you know, at that time, just legendary organization. They won cups in the '80s. You know, you got Bill Tory, the general manager, Al Arbor, legendary coach. So I go to training camp, and the goalie coach is Billy Billy Smith, the you know legendary Billy Smith, who is known for aggressiveness. You know, no nonsense attitude. So um, I get sent to the minors, and it's really like my first. Experience with Smitty, as far as going, to, I went through training camp with them. You get, you're developing a relationship, but you're, you're always trying to impress your coach. So I get down there and I join the team. I had, I I had been sent to the East Coast League. I got called up to the NHL because there was uh, an injury, and then I went from the NHL and joined the AHL team. So I was on on the move quite a bit, and I joined the team in St. John's, and. I'll never forget this. When you go out there, you play a couple games, so it's a Tuesday Thursday type of situation because you're on the rock. You got to fly into it, and you got to, you know, play some games and fly out. So Butch Goring was the coach. I get in there, and he's like, "You're playing Tuesday, no problem." So to get out there, and I, as you you come out for warm up, you come out for the start of the game the mascot's on the ice and it's this like weird looking bird. Apparently now I know it's the puffin. I had no idea what it was. It looked like kind of Toucan Sam. And this mascot was in my crease and kind of giving me like the hex. And I was like, all right, beat it. Like you're, I'm just a kid. I'm 19, 20 years old. I'm just trying to impress my coach. I want to play as good as I can play. So first period goes really well. I play really well and things are settled in. And After the first period, I skate off and coming out for the second, that bird is in my crease again. And I'm like, like, what is going on? And he's like, now you got to skate the whole length. And, and he's like standing there hexing the crowds kind of in it. So he gives me a push and I like kind of push him back out of the way. I'm just, all I'm doing is scraping my crease and just trying to pay attention to like the game, which is the most important, not a mask on. So I end up having like, long story short, I end up having an amazing game. Like I I think I stopped like thirty-five for thirty-six or wow. something. I got first star. <laughs> and I was so excited. Cause we win the game. I go out and you know, you go out for star, or whatever, you skate off. And as I'm skating off, I go into the dressing room and the guys are like, ah, you know, great job, noodles or whatever. And Billy Smith is sitting in my stall. And he's like, doesn't look he's like annoyed. Like he's kind of looking at me and he goes, I need to talk to you outside. And I was like, Okay, like, like maybe he's going to take me outside in private and be like, Hey, I'm really proud of you. you played awesome. And, uh, there's a little bit of swearing here. Can I do it? Should yeah. I, can yeah. I swear or okay. Yeah. I'm not sure sometimes cause I'm more cleaned for TV yeah. and radio uh-huh. and stuff. Okay. So, so anyway, so Smitty takes me out in the hallway and he's, he's kind of reading me the riot act. He's like, you know, what the hell was that? And I was like, what do you mean? I got first start." and he's like that bird he's like why is that effing bird in your crease and like he goes if he's there on thursday you fucking run him over and i was like what like i i I was so taken back by it because he didn't care that i got first star he was like don't you ever let anybody mess with your net and your your crease and and with you and and i was like okay like i So I went back in the room and I swear I was almost crying. Like I was like here, it should have been like such a great experience. And he was like, don't ever let that bird, you know, mess with you. So I'm thinking, okay, God, like I don't sleep that night. I'm like rattled and we practice the next day. And then we play Thursday. It's two days later. And I'm, I'm praying, like, I hope I don't start. Like, I don't want them to start me. I'm like, maybe they could start, you know, Danny Lorenz, who was my goalie partner sure enough, I'm skating around on Wednesday and Butch goes, you're playing tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I can't, I'm rattled. I'm thinking, what am I going to do if this bird is there? And I'm thinking, okay, maybe the bird's not going to be there. All I'm focused on is this stupid bird. And so sure enough, I skate out to start the game and the bird is there. So I allow like three goals in the first period. I should have got pulled. I was terrible. Like I just, I wasn't very sharp that night. And I should have got pulled, but I swear, like, I I can't verify this. I've never talked to Smitty about it, but I feel like he told Butch, like, keep him in there and let's see how this guy battles through. So as the second period starts, there's the bird standing in my crease 200 feet away as I get out there. And I say, to hell with this. I'm just going to bury this guy. So I skate as hard as I can down 200 feet and the birds in my crease and I just run him over and I knock him flying into the corner. And the crowd goes nuts. They start screaming at me like the birds, like the head. I felt like the head was on sideways. Like, here's the thing that when I look back with some perspective, I have no idea who was in there in that that mascot uniform. It could have been a 14 year old girl, it could have been a 75 year old man, a senior citizen, who knows? And I just like attacked this person. And we end up losing like seven, one, like something ridiculous. Like, I was so bad. And after the game, I come walking off and I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to read me the riot act. I was so terrible. And he's sitting in my stall and he's got a smile on his face. And I'm like and he goes, let's go outside again. We go outside in the hallway and he's like, that's how you be a man in this league. And I was like, what? I just gave up a touchdown. He's like, Jamie, this is a process. And he goes, this is all about establishing respect. And he goes, you got respect because, you know, people know you won't take nonsense. And I was like, oh my God, like that was my first kind of like pro, you know, mm-hmm. away from hockey, non-technical lesson as to like how you establish. Now, again, life has changed the, the you know, you don't do stuff like that nowadays, but back then, this is, you know, 25, 30 years ago, it was just a different time, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll never forget Buddy the Puffin. And like I say, when recently, when um he passed and people sent me notes and I kind of still chuckle about it and I actually if you look on overdrive and look on uh, yeah. on my backdrop in my home office there's a little bobblehead of buddy the Puffin. I see, oh, I wow. put it there's they somebody sent it to me and I actually I keep it there all the time because I think it's such a you know a part of my like fabric or part of like me growing mm-hmm. as a pro athlete and stuff so it was kind of a funny story
0: I, I just wanted to kind of go to to overdrive and, and your work you know with tsn was that something you thought about as your your career was ending to to work at tsn and then how did that come about
1: well yes and no i i mean i i was always kind of i love telling stories i love i kind of always been in the background of a lot of like funny things i always joke that i was like the forrest gump of like the nhl i was always kind of like there for like some weird events but um how it came about is when I retired, I joined the Flames organization and I was in player development and I was the goalie coach and, you know, associate coach, all of that fun stuff. And the day my contract didn't get renewed, they offered me to go back into player development, but I got an email from TSN, the head of TSN hockey saying, would you like to try the panel? So I had to get it cleared from Calgary because I was still under contract with them. flew out to Toronto, tried the panel, obviously was really raw. Didn't know what the hell I was doing, all that fun stuff, but I think they thought that there was some potential there. So I talked to the head of hockey and said, "I would like to do this, but I need reps, and I'm willing." At that time, I was recently single, so I said, "I'm, you know, I'm willing to move to Toronto if you can give me reps." So TSN Radio was just starting at the time, so you get lots of reps on radio. I was doing that. They put me on that's hockey, so they started giving me lots of reps to get more comfortable. So it kind of just worked out that I was going to have a job change anyways to go either back into player development with the Flames organization or try this new thing out and tried it out, ended up liking it. And I guess we're 12 years later and this is, you know, I think my 12th year with TSN. So, And,
0: and I guess just to, to to transition a little bit, like you you now do color as well, like as an analyst for games, what do you think, makes you such an effective analyst and, and what's your kind of process for that?
1: My process, um, I feel like I was an analyst when I was a backup goaltender because I sat there and watched. So I had 880 games in the league and I played 250. So I watched for 600 games, probably you know a, a decent paid seat, to put it that way. So you're always analyzing. I look at it from, yes, a goaltender's perspective. But I try in my, you know, color commentator, commentating analysis to go, you know, answer the question why, like why did this happen? Well, it's easy to see that the puck went in. Well, why? How did it go in? What was the process? So I think that's kind of um, what I think about all the time when I'm doing color is, you know, point out something that maybe not be capped and obvious and you know, you're not just going to have a guy come to center ice and just shoot and it goes in and you go, ah, oh, the goalie missed it. You know, where are, where are the errors? Where are the great plays? Where are the things that, you know, play as a play develops to make that happen good or bad. And I think you, you've pointed out with respect because it's not about crapping on somebody. It's more about how the process of something happens out there. So I think that's you know, if I, if people think I'm a good analyst, I think that's what's helped is I, that's my thought process. Um, But it is a work in progress for me. I'm always learning. I'm trying to, you know, absorb new systems. I've, you know, I've dove into analytics. There's all sorts of things that you try to be as an analyst and, and, and try and grow too, because the game changes, uh, the world has changed. So you have to grow with it. So um, I think that's kind of my formula doing color. And I love it. Like color is one of the things I love overdrive. I love all the platforms I'm on, but color is the, one of the biggest rushes because it's live and you it's live TV. You got to own it right there. So you see mm-hmm. a misspeak, you see something, you know, you got to correct it right away or, you know, it's, it's, there's no like premeditation. It's like, you go at it and let's, let's, let's let it unfold here. And I try and have as much fun as possible too. Mm -hmm. That's the thing too, as I don't take myself too seriously. I, you know, I said this before, I knew what I, I'm very proud of my career, but I knew what I was as a player. And it's more about, you know, expanding and, and taking my drawing off the experience, drawing off the people I played with and, and trying to apply that into you know some of my analysis right now.
0: And and you, you cover the Sens quite a bit as a color analyst. And and I just want to ask you a little bit about them. Uh, They've made a bit of a push recently and um, they're still like, they had a bad start to the year and and they said points out of the playoffs. Do you think they could find a way to come back into the playoff hunt or even make the playoffs? Or is it too little, too late? I
1: don't say too little, too late. I would have liked to, I remember talking to DJ about this uh, in Tampa, right at the end of this October, early November. And he said their November was so critical because they were playing, you know, teams that were more playoff teams. Their schedule got really tough. Um, you know, the Josh Norris injury was so devastating on so many different levels their power play suffered because of it, even though they got a really good power play. They just had to adapt to some of the looks. Um, you know, now all of a sudden you, you go Timmy Stutzler, hey, you gotta be number one as a 20 year old and get these matchups against, you know, some some of the Eastern elites. Um it's weird because I, I say this and I tell this to people too. If you actually look at some of their underlying numbers, like they should be a lot better. Like I mean, a lot better is the wrong word. They should have more points in in the standings. Okay. And what drove it home for me was the afternoon game in Anaheim in like we'll call it mid to late November. They won five one, and I remember thinking to myself. Anaheim's a last place team. And at that point, both those teams were in the last place. Like basically, it was Ottawa and Anaheim at the bottom of the league. And I remember saying, Anaheim right now is a last place team and they look like it. And that's where they want to be the way that they've built their team, the way that they're in a retool, you know, have some, some pieces that they're going to trade at the deadline, all that. So it reinforced my thought process of like, Ottawa's not a last place team. They deserve better if they can get some consistent goaltending where, you know, it, it really hurt them, that Talbot injury too. And Forsberg wasn't as lights out as he was down the stretch. There was just so many like what ifs, a slow start from Debrinket, slow start from Batherson. you know, there was uh, they're still trying to figure out the defensive model of how they were going to play. So there was a bunch of what ifs. So to answer your question, I, I'm going to go back to what I believe from day one. I think they're going to play meaningful hockey down the stretch. I don't think it translates to the playoffs. It might, the the damage might be too, like it might be too, I wouldn't say too little, too late, but the damage might've been done through their, their start again. But I think they're going to be, you've won, they've won seven of 10 and they look more like the team that we expect. Where you have got good goaltending, You've got your top players playing like top players and feeling comfortable. The system seems to be coming in. So I believe they're going to be playing meaningful hockey. I don't know if that translates to 85 to you know 87 points, which would make that misses the playoffs probably, but it it shows progress for me if you can you know build on that. But it I, I come back to it. They're gonna be playing some some real good games down the stretch here that will be meaningful. And they can, you know, catch lightning in a bottle and get points in 12 or 14 games. And that's what you really need you need in today's like we are talking about an overdrive. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. It's like the Leafs have gotten points in 15 games. They haven't caught Boston. Like, it's insane. Like, yeah. you know, like you you go through and you look at some teams that have won six in a row. Pittsburgh's won six in a row right now. And they're just like, okay, they, yeah, they are in the playoff picture, but they're being chased by Washington who's won five in a row. And it's like it, the league is really upside down right now as far as how crazy the storylines are. But that's a long answer. For I think the Sens are going to play meaningful hockey.
0: And I guess you know you covering the team as well. What player for Ottawa has really st- stood out for you so far this year?
1: I, my love for Jake Sanderson has to temper a little bit because I, I've i had a few tweets to be like, "All right, would you knock it off with the Sanderson love?" I'm like, I think the kid's special. I really do. So you know, do am I a little bit biased because I grew up with the family? Like you know, his dad Jeff is. I know they that uh, you know Jake was born in Montana but really their their family's from St. Albert Alberta where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Jeff and I have had a long friendship and I went to high school with Jake's mom Ellen. Like I literally know wow. the family. I the brothers which would be his uncles I know, <laughs> you know, and and Guy and Grant are the names. Like I I literally know his family. So I didn't know him as a kid. I just, you know, saw him once in a while around the rink as this little, you know, four-year-old five-year-old type of thing. Now to see him grow right in front of our eyes and go, man, this, this kid, like he has, I don't want to say he's just scratching the surface, but once he knows the league, he's going to be really special. So um, I think Stutzler's found another level this year, Uh, like his production, um, I say this respectfully. I think in the last couple of years, there were times where, you know, maybe a collision in the corner, he didn't get up, he was up slow and, you know, would kind of he's still finding his way. I think he's gotten stronger. I think he's more confident in his body and his ability. It's unfortunate. I think I thought I read this morning, he's out like maybe a week or something yeah. like it doesn't, doesn't sound like it was a bad injury, which is good. Cause I was from the replay. It looked like he hyperextended his elbow, which kind of concerned me, but um I I think he's a guy that I've always said this. I think he's the most talented forward there and he's going to find another level. Brady's a beast. Like I just, he's a guy who drags you into a war every night and, and play, you know, Hey, you want to play a skill game? I can do that. Uh, You want to play a mean game? I can do that. You know, I, want me to stand up for my teammates. You want me to call things out. So I, I like, you know, him, I, I, those are the guys that I like circle and go, you know, that's what my highest expectations are. It's nice to see Shabbat playing good hockey. Um, You know, so it's, it's at the end of the day, there's some guys that I think that have found other levels, but I'd like to see a little bit more consistency from some of the guys that are, you know, I expect a little bit more production out of, uh, you know, Tyler Mott is a guy that I create, he creates so much from his speed. And, but the finish hasn't been there, you know, Matthew Joseph before the injury, I, i really had high hopes for him i I, if they were healthy and that was you know we'll call it mott pinto joseph if you know if josh was healthy and stutzla was however you wanted to do one two there if pinto was three that was a really nice looking three you know third third line but because of injuries you've had to to adapt so that's unfortunate
0: I guess just to underwhelming players, or like, is what players do you think really need to step up their game? And and I guess is is Debrinket one of those players? Although he's played a bit better lately.
1: Yeah, he's. You know what? I I give I give guys on new new organizations. I don't give them the ten to twenty games. I I sometimes go. We might see their best in January. Just new situation. And people are like, okay, well, he doesn't have Patrick Kane passing in the puck. But he's still, if you look at his numbers, he's still gotten a lot of looks. It's just been the lack of execution. Now he's at nine. You know, should, I, thought he's, I thought he scored the other night, but it was Brady that tipped it in. Yeah, three assists night. Like, he's still got points. It's just there, there's a 41-goal score that's probably on pace for, what, 24, 5 type of thing? I think he still hits 25 in his sleep but it's, we haven't seen the best of him. It's been a slow start, but I I still believe like he's what I've liked about him and seeing him live so many times. He's not a big guy, but he, he hunts for pucks. Like you expect, I would expect goal scorers sometimes that are they play a little softer in hardened areas. He's not like, he'll go there and he'll battle for loose pucks, which I, which impresses me, it says to me that he's got really good details of his game. So I, you know, underwhelming would probably be the word, but I, I only because I, I think he should be at 15 goals right now because of the looks that he's gotten, but uh, it, it's coming for him. The other guy for me is Branstrom. I just, I thought looking at him, you know, and he's a really polarizing guy. There's people that just want him in and want him at the top of the, yeah, you know, he's not on the left side, he's he's always gonna be a three behind, you know, Shabbat and, and Sanderson. And that might, you know, that's gonna switch year after year because both those guys are really good players. But for me, Brandstrom, he's a guy who gets pretty decent minutes. Let's call it 16 minutes. I you know, that fluctuates. I've seen 12 and I've seen 20. So let's say 16. But he doesn't like he doesn't have points like there's like there for a guy who advances the puck and is a good skater and and really is trying to play the right way he's gone 102 games without a goal and he's got three assists on the year i think i i think it's two or three so that's that's a guy when i watched him at the start of the year i'm like he's really feeling it he was holding on to the puck he was making plays and when you're doing that by accident, you should be getting second assists by, especially with how offensive the the Sens were at the start of the year. So I, that's the underwhelming part is the production side of Branstrom. Not so much like the process. Cause I think he's been playing some pretty solid hockey and worked on his defensive game, but it just, the it's, it's astounding to me when I do my stat sheet every night and I'm like, it's 102 games he hasn't scored and it's, he hasn't had an, a, you know, last game I did, I think he hadn't had an assist in like 21 games, something crazy, which I'm like, sky is out there a lot for, so that, that's the, I, I guess it's the point side that would be underwhelming for me with, with Eric.
0: And I guess just to, before we go, I, I wanted to ask kind of bigger picture about which, which Canadian team do you think will go the deepest in the playoffs this year?
1: Oof. I mean, the Leafs are good. I think Winnipeg's really good. I think Edmonton, like people don't, people think Edmonton is a two-person team. They're not anymore. Like, if you look at their point production, I saw a tweet the other day where it's like, oh, the, the Leafs core four. If you actually look at the top four players for Edmonton, you've got the two freaks, we'll call them, that are like on another planet. And then you've got Hyman who has the same amount of points as John Tavares. And you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins who has the same amount of points as William Nylander. So then my argument is who's your number five. Okay. Well, five on the Leafs would be bunting five on right now. He would be higher up. He might be the three is Evander Kane. So, and you know, Edmonton is getting reinforcements. Their third line is decimated because, Warren Fogel's not there. Ryan McLeod's not there. Yamamoto's just coming back off of injury. So they've done the reverse of the Leafs. The Leafs lost a bunch of their D. The Oilers lost, I think, four of their top nine forwards. So I think Edmonton's a better team. And Jack Campbell hasn't, he's been rotten there. And, you know, he got, he had a decent game the other night I watched. So I think Edmonton, I, The most disappointing one is Calgary for me, because I think Calgary had the big turnover. And we talked about, you know, new situations for Debrinket. Huberto, that's a life-changing, you know, going from Florida to Edmonton period. You know, that's just a lifestyle change. I'm sorry, Florida to Calgary, not to Edmonton. Florida to Calgary period. That's a lifestyle change. And then you go, okay, you play a lot more structured in Calgary than you did in Florida. It's freewheeling. Hubert has spent his whole career playing with Barkov. Basically, now he's got to establish some chemistry. You know, Kadri settled in, started early or started well early, and then struggled late. Um, so I, I think Calgary's a better team than they've kind of shown. So I I look at there's four. I think there's four playoff teams in in Canada, potentially a fifth if somebody makes a run, whether it's Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, but you know, at at the end of the day, I I think there's four that could, and all four of those, I could make a case for doing a deep run. Calgary structure. If Markstrom really like played like Markstrom Edmonton, if they did what they did last year and one of those goalies gave them ample goaltending. um, I I look at Toronto, if they get past their ghosts, you know, then, and, and really it would be their top players that drag them through, just like McDavid and dry did last year and uh, Winnipeg. The goalie is as good as anybody and, you know, the new coach bump and Winnipeg's been great this season and they don't, you know, Nikolai Ehlers is one of their best players and he hasn't been available to them pretty much the whole season. So those are the four, I don't know who I would choose to come out. Every time I choose somebody, they seem to go in the crapper. So I don't want to jinx anybody, but those are four that I think are, I can make a case easily for all four of them to, to get past the first round and and start to, to, to move along.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for coming on. I, I really appreciate uh, this and and providing all your insight. and uh, yeah, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and we'll stay in touch and we'll do it again.
0: Great.